We've all got questions about the Bible and Christianity. Some of us are Christians and want to know how best to live for God and show our love for Him. Some of us are curious about what it means to follow Jesus. And some of us are skeptical of the idea of religion in general. Whatever your background, we invite you into these conversations that strive to take an honest look at what the Bible has to say on a wide variety of subjects. Each week, we will discuss questions that have been sent in from all around the world and try to find truth and practical application in God's Word. If you have any questions or follow-up comments, contact us anytime by emailing info at broadwaycoc.com. I'm Jed Lovejoy, and these are Conversations with Dan. All right, hello everybody, and welcome to another one of our conversations here with Dan. So first off, we apologize for the last two episodes. We, we recorded them both on the same day, and there was an issue in the line for your mic. So we were lucky to pull the sound out, but I know that it may not have been to the quality that we all wish and hope for. So we're glad they're sticking around. So we might be sounding more professional today, possibly. I don't know about professional, but hopefully a little clearer. There you go. Okay. <laughs> All right. So the last two episodes, uh, if they haven't watched them, we were talking about kind of the history of worship, going through the tabernacle and the temple and kind of how things evolved, but leading us to how we got to today and our worship today. Um, and then we decided we're going to take one specific aspect this week and talk about the Psalms. Are you sure that's not Palms? It's the Psalms. Oh, the Psalms. Okay. All right. Gracious. So it's always interesting. Um, like I study a lot about worship in general and the progression of singing and stuff, but I've never really done a deep dive into how the Psalms were used in the New Testament. And so I think that's kind of where we're <laughs> going to be today. Okay. First question. This is a quiz, Jed. Oh, no. What is the most quoted book from the Old Testament in the New Testament? I'm going to say the Psalms. It's the Psalms. Yeah. And that might be a shocker to some people. I know. that's. It's a big book. It has a wide variety of topics to cover. So It's a song book. Yeah. It would only seem natural. And they're not chapters. Right. Each psalm is, is a separate work. Yeah. Now, there are a couple of exceptions where two psalms are meant to be done together. Right. But um, each psalm is a separate work, and so when we cite the psalms or mm -hmm. say what we're reading in church, <clears throat> we don't say Psalms chapter so-and-so. No. We say Psalm 119 or it's, Psalm 23. It's yeah. like song number 63 or song right. number 72. Could they say Psalm number and still be sure, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're just talking about what's proper. Right. One of those, it's not a big deal. I'm not going to throw rocks at you if you say chapter, but... But they're not chapters. They're not chapters. Yeah. That's exactly right. Okay. So let's talk about the use of the Psalms in the New Testament church yeah. as, as part of their assembly, whether worship or edification. Okay. Okay. We're taught in Ephesians 5.19, Colossians 3.16, that psalms mm -hmm. were sung in yeah. Christian assemblies. So how were they sung? What was the manner in which psalms were designed to be sung? Right. Um, let's take some examples. Okay. Let's go first to um, Psalm 8. <clears throat> okay. Psalm 8. And one of the things that's very helpful in this is to study the structure of psalms and mm -hmm. a lot of the psalms have clear choruses that are repeated right 
and the choruses of the psalms were usually sung as as uh, together by the entire crowd. Hmm. All right, so Psalm 8, if you'll notice verse 1, what does that say, Jed? It says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And what does verse 9 say? And then verse 9 closes with the same thing. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. So the way that probably was done is the entire group of Levites or the entire uh, church assembly saying verse 1 and verse 9. Mm-hmm. And a cantor, mm-hmm. a singer, sang a solo in the rest of what was there. Right. So you'd have the chorus that begins with everybody and then the story told and then the chorus again to lead you out. Now you're just talking the Levites and the cantors, so we're still talking Old Testament worship at that point, right? Yeah, the the Levites and the cantors, but Mm -hmm. this would have probably been the exact same way that these were sung Mm. because that's the way they're written to be sung in the New Testament church. Okay, so then instead of it being a set-apart Levite, group and cantor group then we're talking about the whole congregation <clears throat> the whole congregation on verse one and nine and somebody singing the story in yeah the intervening verses okay uh, let's look at psalm 25 real quickly <clears throat> while we're going there were all the psalms written by david dan absolutely not there were a number of them written by david they were written by moses they were written by asaph they were written by uh Jedithun, they were written by very different people. Psalm 137, Psalm 42 and 43 by some Levite in the Babylonian captivity. Yeah. Uh, written by different prophetic people through time. Yeah. So again, kind of leading to, it's not chapters <clears throat> of a singular book written by somebody. It's Psalms written by a variety of people. Right. Through, these, through are, these are prophetic poems or songs known to have been written by prophets that were collected over time by the people of God. Hmm. Okay. All right, so So, look at uh, Psalm 25 real quickly. So Uh, Psalm 25. Yeah. Now, read read, um, verse 1 and 2, if you would, there. Yeah. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exult over me. And you recognize that as a song that we still sing. Let not my enemies triumph yeah. over me. Which yeah. is probably not the original melody, but still it. No. Yeah. But anyway, um, we wouldn't necessarily pick this out. But if you'll notice in verse two, it says, in you I trust, oh my God. Mm-hmm. Okay, drop down to, um, you, you basically have a prayer here okay and that prayer if you study it carefully has a certain uh set of refrains for example he says in you i trust oh my god and then if you drop down to verse five Mm -hmm. he's still asking pleading guide me in your truth and teach me Mm -hmm. for you are god my savior then he says my hope is in you all day long Mm -hmm. So, in you I trust, O oh my God, my hope is in you. Uh, if you drop down to, let's see here, verse 20 and 21, mm-hmm. guard my life and rescue me, let me not be put to shame. The little box around for I take refuge in you. Mm-hmm. 
and then at the end of verse 21, because my hope is in you. Mm-hmm. Which the ESV translates that as I will wait for you okay. or I will wait in you. But it repeats the same thing. Yeah. Okay. So those are probably, knowing the way the other Psalms are written, mm. those little, I will trust in you. Mm-hmm. I will wait for you. I will hope in you. Those are probably the little pauses where the congregation comes in and says, Yeah, this is a message. So the idea is <clears throat> I'm I'm pleading all these things, but the reason is I trust in you. Right. I hope in you. I wait for you. And so that idea is is emphasized through the refrains mm. in the psalm. Yeah. And so a lot of psalms have these sort of connective points for the whole congregation. Do necessarily every psalm, does necessarily every psalm have that no. in it? No, the psalms are written in different ways. Ah. <laughs> and so, so different psalms are sung in different ways with more or less involvement by the entire congregation. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, let's go to Psalm 37. Okay. Psalm 37. Um, this is an interesting psalm because one of the famous sayings of Jesus from the Sermon on the Mount is from this psalm. Mm-hmm. If you'll go down to verse 11, read verse 11 for me. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. All right. And of course, Jesus used mm-hmm. that in the Sermon on the Mount. We Our New Testaments erroneously translate it the meek shall inherit the earth. <clears throat> but it goes back to the, the saying in the, in the law where he says, honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land. And in the book of Deuteronomy where he says, you know, do this or this or this so that it may go well with you and your days may be long in the land. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then in this psalm, he repeats that um, a number of times. You'll notice in verse 11, he says, uh, verse 9, back up to verse 9, he says what? Verse 9 says, For the evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. And then verse 11 again. Verse 11, But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. All right, and then down to verse 22. Verse 22 says, For those blessed by the Lord shall inherit the land, but those cursed by him shall be cut off. All right, and then go down to verse 29. 29, the righteous shall inherit the land and dwell upon it forever. All right, and then down to verse 34. Wait for the Lord and keep his way, and he will exalt you to inherit the land, and you will look on when the wicked are cut off. So so don't be worried about evil people and when it seems they're prospering because... You know from God's law that these people will inherit the land. These people will get to live in the mm-hmm. land. So knowing this, Jesus said, remember the psalm that said, the meek yeah. shall inherit the land. And it's interesting <clears throat> when you compare this with one of the, like chapter five or six of Second Samuel, and it talks about, and God brought peace to the land once David was established as king. And it's like, hmm, I wonder if there's a theme being yeah. pulled throughout all and of this. And it comes from... Deuteronomy and from the Ten Commandments, you know, Mm -hmm. if you do my will, it'll go well with you and your days will be long in the land. Yeah. All right. So anyway, this is another refrain. But in in Psalm 37, uh, there are some but clauses. And what happens is 
<clears throat> he talks about all the things that the wicked are doing. And then, like, you get down to verse 11, but the meek will inherit the land and enjoy great peace. Mm -hmm. And then it talks about the wicked, and then verse 13, but the Lord laughs at the wicked. And then verse 14, it talks about the wicked, verse 15, but their swords will pierce their own hearts. Mm -hmm. And see, not only is this refrain, uh, the, the meek or the whoever else shall inherit the land, but you have the but clauses where he talks about uh, the wicked and what they do, but the Lord will do this and the Lord will protect, you know. Yeah. So those seem to be a refrain that goes along with the meek shall inherit the land. So there was quite a bit of congregational back and forth in right. the psalm. And they would have been very familiar with these to be able to use them within their worship. Right. To fit the theme of the worship that day or the, you know, to build right. in people's confidence in certain situations. Sure. And, and we... You know, we tend to just read these and not look at how they're structured. Mm. Oh, yeah. But the way they're structured reflects the way they were sung, mm -hmm. not only in the temple worship when the sacrifices were being made and all that, yeah. but later on when they were sung by Christians in the, in the Christian assemblies, whenever they were, then <clears throat> these are the ways they were written to be sung. So would it be fair to say even in the early Christian church, you know, whether the apostles were there or shortly after they were all gone, that the Psalms were still very much the song book of the early church. Yes, there were Psalms, there were hymns, and there were spiritual songs. Mm. We're focusing today on the Psalms. Okay. Hymns were songs of praise that could have been written by anybody. Yeah. Psalms were part of scripture. Yeah. That was being sung. So it's not that there was <clears throat> one that was more important or special than the other, but the Psalms were still a healthy part of their singing diet, so to say. Yes. Uh, there's a, a, a Psalm that we can look at real quick, or two, a set of Psalms. It's Psalm 42 and 43, and we've looked at these many times before. Mm -hmm. But um, if you'll notice in Psalm 42, 5, mm -hmm. where it says, Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation. And my God, my soul is cast okay, that, down. That, that, that's good. So that's your chorus, what mm -hmm. you just read. Now look at verse 11. Yep, same thing. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. And then in Psalm 43, 5. Mm -hmm. There it is again. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. So this little two psalm set here was sung and it reflected the struggle, the sorrow, the persecution of a Levite that was in captivity. Mm -hmm. But the chorus is the message. The yeah. chorus is, you know, which he says to himself, which really is the message to whoever's singing it. You know, whatever you're going through. Yeah. You know, why are you downcast, O oh my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. I will yet praise him. Mm. So <clears throat> that chorus that would have been sung by the congregation or the group of Levites, whichever time period we're in, right? that's where the real oomph, the real message of the song comes out. Why are we going through this? Because even if we suffer like this guy suffered, yeah. put your hope in God and... I will yet praise him because God will take care and the sunshine will come out after the 
storm, you know. So the chorus was really important. And one more thing before mm-hmm. you ask. Okay. Speaking to one another mm-hmm. in Psalms. Well, that's exactly what's going on here because the singer is throwing something out there and then the congregation is speaking yeah. the main message back to him. Right. And then the singer throws something else out. <clears throat> So Sunday, you sing. I was gonna say, yeah. Some trust in the chariots. We trust in the name. And the whole of congregation the Lord said, "We trust in the name of the Lord our God." Yeah, and yeah. then I then I kind of chastised them a little bit. You said, "Some <laughs> trust in the whole," and you said, "Let's say it like we mean it." Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but see, that's what these choruses are. Right. So the psalms, when they were used, it wasn't like there was the teaching, and then we're going to take a break for the psalms. The psalms were used as part of the teaching and the admonishment and the encouraging along the way. This this psalm is an what would be called an an edification psalm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and would be admonishing or encouraging the congregation to put their hope in God. Mm-hmm. And but it would have been sung responsorially, right, back and forth. Do you know that word or you need I, to look I, it up? I got that one. Okay, I, I think he's got that one. Okay, so, but again, you have major involvement by a singer mm-hmm. singing by himself. I know. And then you have the congregation responding. It's almost like there's a teacher teaching and the congregation is saying, yeah, we got it. This is the point yeah. and going back and forth. And this, it when you jump into that part, <clears> that's <throat> where my brain kicks into high gear to talk about like the history of singing. And just the quick version of it is that was the standard for a long time. Single guy up front leading songs, sometimes incorporating a choir, sometimes bringing in the congregation for special parts. And then there was such a kickback against that, pushback against that, when eventually the congregation was pushed all the way out of it for various parts of time, that now we're in the position today where if I got up and led a solo during worship or did mainly a solo, that would make people very uncomfortable, it even would. though that was the standard in early church worship. Yes, and, and I had heard, um, I've heard people make the argument from um, Ephesians 5.19, uh, speaking to one another in Psalms. Some would translate speaking to yourselves in Psalms. Uh, they, would, they would say from that that everybody has to be singing all at the same time. Mm. But obviously that's not the case in the psalm. And also that same construction that's used in Ephesians 19 mm-hmm. uh, or 519 is also used in Ephesians uh, 4.32 where it says, be kind to one another, forgiving each other. So does that mean that we should all at the same moment forgive each other? No, obviously yeah. not. Yeah. It's talking about you forgive me and I'll forgive you. Yeah, And it really does mean... I speak to you, and then you reply back to me. See, mm. So there was this call and response type singing, yeah, which comes from the Psalms, yeah, which was done in the ancient church. <clears throat> All right, there was also, okay, this is where I could be in trouble, but anyway, <laughs> there was also uh, Psalm forty nine. Okay, you can really you can, and this this may or may not have been sung in the ancient church, but it was certainly used in. In the Old Testament, notice mm. the way it begins. Read me, read me the first four verses there. Okay. Hear this, all peoples, 
Give ear, all inhabitants of the world, both low and high, rich and poor together. My mouth shall speak wisdom. The meditation of my heart shall be understanding. I will incline my ear to a proverb. I will solve my riddle to the music of the lyre. All right, so this is the singer, and he's introducing his story, his song. Mm -hmm. And um, it may be, as I've studied this further, there are some but clauses in here. Mm -hmm. uh, and, for example... I see the one in 15. Yeah, there's one in 12, and there's one in mm. 15, and probably verse 6 would go with that, and then verse 20 is the one that wraps it up. So very likely, <clears throat> you have... Most of this psalm sung by the singer and then those little interludes where the congregation comes in and responds. But the congregation was certainly mm. active in this. Okay. Now, these are psalms. <clears throat> there were also hymns and spiritual songs. Sure. Which could be sung. Now, hymns tended to be short. Psalms were kind of long. Yeah. And, and hymns were very short. But I think sometimes smaller portions of psalms were used. Hmm. Uh, there were a number of psalms that are cited in the New Testament as Christ psalms. Right. And uh, among those, you have like Psalm 2. Mm -hmm. um, and that psalm is often quoted with regard to Christ, particularly about the enthronement of Christ in Psalm 2, verse 6 and 7. I have set my king upon my holy hill of Zion, and then the king says, I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son. Mm -hmm. Today I have become your father. Ask of me, and I will give you a... See, that <clears throat> That fit very well into a Christian service because the enthronement of Christ is central doctrine in the Christian right, worship, Right, and that would have been very appropriate in Christian worship. Sure. Uh, Psalm 22, you know, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then it, it mm -hmm. lists uh, a lot of the things that are quoted in the crucifixion accounts about, you know, yeah. uh, being pierced and everybody surrounding him and all the rest of it. Yeah. So that would have been very appropriate. That could have been sung before the Lord's Supper or around the time of the Lord's Supper or whatever. Uh, Psalm 110, 1 through 4, let's have you read that. This is okay. crucial Christian doctrine. Yeah, 110, 1 through 4. The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. The Lord sends forth from Zion your mighty scepter, rule in the midst of your enemies. Your people will offer themselves freely on the day of your power. In holy garments from the womb of the morning, the dew of your youth will be yours. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Well, see, in the book of Hebrews... Mm -hmm. <laughs> Uh, when he had made purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Well, that's verse 1. Right. Uh, Hebrews 1.13, to which of the angels did he ever once say, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool? Well, that's verse 1. Same time. <clears throat> uh, in um, chapter 5 of Hebrews, about verse 5 or 6 or something, he says, you know, the same one that said to him, you are my son, today have I become your father, also said, you are a priest forever after mm -hmm. the order of Melchizedek. That's verse 4. Right. See? 
And then in, in Hebrews 8, verse 1, the chief point of everything we're saying is this. We have such a great priest who has sat down on the right hand of God. Well, mm -hmm. right there. Right. You see what I'm saying? <clears throat> so that psalm was so key and crucial to, to the core theology of Christ and the apostles in the New Testament church. Yeah. There's no doubt in my mind that that psalm is among the psalms that were sung regularly in the mm. ancient church because they were Christ psalms. Yeah. Again, going back to they were packed with teaching, and so it was that opportunity for people to sing through the teaching. Yes. And um, you see, these would be sort of like our Jesus hymns today that we sing, you know, the Amen song, see the little baby in the manger, you know, all up through the crucifixion. Yeah. Or hallelujah, what a savior, or or in Christ alone, yeah. you know, as a modern take on things. Yeah, but it it doesn't. Well, it does to some degree tell the story. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but um, another example would be Psalm eight. Mm -hmm. um, when I consider your heavens, the works of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you remember him? You have made him a little lower than the angels and crowned him with glory and honor and put all things in subjection under his feet. Mm. Well, that one is quoted buku times in the New Testament. Sure. And in Hebrews chapter 2, it's all about Jesus. Yeah. See? Uh, and the, the part that says you have put everything in subjection under his feet. Uh, Hebrews 2, 9, I think it is, says, um, in that he subjected all things to him, we see nothing that was not made subject to him, and yet we do not yet see everything made subject to him, but we do see Jesus, mm -hmm. who was made for a little while lower than the angels because of the suffering of death crowned with glory and honor. Yeah. See, And so that psalm applied to Jesus. So it's a Jesus psalm, mm -hmm. and it yeah. would have been sung, I think, all the time in the ancient church. Talking about Jesus. Right. And we, we have plenty of like historical evidence that they were getting together and singing these songs. Like, yes. They, they didn't suddenly go away once the Old Testament was passed. We have them quoted in the New Testament. They have, didn't throw the old songbook away. No. But I, I have no doubt that they focused more on the songs in the old songbook that were about Jesus. Sure and on the wisdom psalms that had some core moral mm. lesson to them. Yeah. Like the Psalm 42, 43, you know, mm. when you're down yeah. and struggling, put your hope in God, right. you will yet praise him. Um, the, uh, there's, I think, uh, turn to Psalm 95, verse 7. Okay. Um, the book of Hebrews makes a big deal about the fact that way back in the old times, God spoke to the prophets. Right. In to Moses and the fathers in Judaism, mm -hmm. but he has spoken to us in the last days by his son. Yeah. You know, well, read this passage, Psalm 95, seven through 11. All right. For he is our God and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Psalm, Psalm 95. Psalm 95. Seven through 11. Which one? That's seven. Now, wait a minute here. Uh-oh. Hold. Maybe that's the Septuagint chapter. It probably is. Just a second. It's the Septuagint chapter. Yeah, that's... I'm going to use that excuse next time. No. 
Psalm 95. But it is true. There are different numberings in different oh, sections. Okay, it's actually in, in the English text, it starts at verse 8. Okay, there right we there go. Right there at the end of verse 7. All right. Once again. Start with today. Yeah, because verse numbers are not inspired, so yeah, they don't know. And, <laughs> and the book of Hebrews is quoting the Septuagint. Sure. Okay. <laughs> you knew that. Okay. All right. Go ahead. <laughs> so it is at the bottom of verse 7 in chapter or in chapter 95. Good gracious. In Psalm 95. Here we go. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as at Meribah, as on the day at Massa in the wilderness, when your fathers put me to the test and put me to the proof, though they had seen my work. For 40 years I loathed that generation and said they are a people who go astray in their hearts and they have not known my ways. Therefore, I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. So in Hebrews 3, 7 through 11, mm -hmm. it quotes that passage. And it makes a huge deal out of the word today. Hmm. Because, see, David wrote this psalm, and many, many years before, in the Pentateuch, they were wandering in the wilderness, and this is talking right. about the wilderness wanderings, but mm -hmm. the psalm says, today, mm -hmm. if you shall hear his voice. Yeah. Well, the book of Hebrews says God spoke to him back then, Yeah. but he has spoken to us again right. today. Yeah. See? So the book of Hebrews makes a huge deal out of today, that that's God's message to us today, mm. and we should not be like those people back there and harden our hearts when we hear God speaking to us through Jesus, Yeah, because God said to those people, you shall never enter my rest in the land of Canaan. But then he says in Hebrews, there still remains a rest for us today. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So if you go to Hebrews chapter 4, okay. verse 11, there's two chapters that really discuss this song. Hebrews 4, verse 11. Right, 4, 11 says, Let us therefore strive to enter that rest, so that one, no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. Let me go back to uh, 3.11. 3.11, As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. So see, he's done discussing that in 4.11, and he says, therefore, since they disobeyed when they heard God's voice, and now we have heard God's voice again through Jesus, don't be like them, but let us be diligent to enter our rest. And that's the rest which yeah. still remains for the people of God. Now, do you think that wouldn't be a great song for them to sing mm -hmm. in church? Or us. That's no. right. <laughs> but that's, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. These passages that were that were explained by Jesus to his apostles and used in the New Testament church were the basis of singing and teaching. Mm -hmm. And this would have been, I, I'm confident, often sung as a lesson about listening to Jesus' voice. Yeah. So that brings like to a modern you know, day worship service, if we're setting <clears throat> things up. There's there's kind of a resurgence right now of people trying to write songs for the church that are using the words of the psalms. Yes. Um, great. Good. Yeah, because for a long time we wrote a lot of songs that are great teaching songs or this, that, and the other, but they weren't necessarily the words of the psalms. Um, you can go back to like Isaac Watts and things, you know, hundreds of years ago, and they were doing that in bits and parts. Mm -hmm. And now people are seeing 
what they what they would describe as a diminished focus of our worship or a more spiritually bereft, I'm trying to think of a good phrase, a simple phrase there, but basically a lacking worship that's empty and hollow. And one of the things they think would build us back up again is if we dove back into these ancient psalms. Well, you and I were talking the other day about the lack of laments in the repertoire. Oh, yeah. And certainly there are some wonderful laments in the yeah. psalms. Yeah, and we've really tried to work some of those in. Yes, we have. And, and so, anyway, we're scratching the surface of this discussion today. But let's, let me pull this into a small pile by saying this. Okay. When we talk about the manner of our singing, the way we go about singing, mm-hmm. our a cappella worship in the church, I think before we get too dogmatic in how we sing, I'm not talking about using instruments. I'm talking about the way we sing yeah. songs. Four in parts in unison, yeah. you know, whatever. Yeah. We better go back and do some study in the Psalms. Mm. Mm-hmm. And also, there needs to be a lot more study among us on the structure of the Psalms. Mm-hmm because the structure of the psalms reflects the way in which they were sung, the give and take yeah. of singer and audience or whatever. Um, I think there, there are a lot of questions that we argue over that we should not before we do this. Yeah. It's sort of like the other things we were talking about in our, in our previous videos unless we understand about the temple and the sacrifices and the priests and the Levites and the Sadducees and the, what was done in synagogues as opposed to what was done in the temple and all these things, we don't have a theological basis to d- discuss the New Testament teaching about worship. Yeah. Equally true. We've got to do a little more homework in, yeah. is it the Psalms or the Psalms? Oh, it's yeah. the Psalms. In the Psalms. Yeah. And so, you know, individuals who may be singing over the congregation or with the congregation or back and forth in that call and response style or smaller groups that are singing back and forth, yeah. those wouldn't have been odd or strange Not at all. to a New Testament church. Not at all. But tends to be the way that we view it as that's mm-hmm. weird, wrong maybe. Again, this is, a, this is another way where we have to be careful and distinguish between what is our tradition and mm. what is actually biblical. Yeah, because again, the point was to say these things, sing these things together, to teach these things, to praise God, to encourage one another. And it's more focused on what you're saying than necessarily how you're saying it a lot of Absolutely. times. Absolutely. Although they did utilize, like we were talking about, these structures to emphasize right. using the how for the Yeah, word. and I'm not saying we have to use the structure. I'm just saying that Realizing that those structures are there, yeah, and that that was most likely the way those were sung in ancient times, yeah, shows us there are some different ways in which we can sing yeah. a cappella in the modern times. Again, I could like I've actually done seminars in different places about singing and music and whether you're leading it or singing it, so that you can find out some of those things and notice it, because if you look at your songbook you'll find some of these that still utilize that. What's a chorus? What's the part we're going to say over and over because we mm-hmm. think that's most important. Mm-hmm. Or there's songs that don't have a chorus because they want to walk you through a whole story. But yeah, think a little bit about the songs we sing, but especially be looking for these psalms 
showing up in your worship music and what you're singing to each other um, and what's quoted in the New Testament. Yeah. I mean, they're everywhere, people. They're what, everywhere. What was the most quoted book from the Hebrew Bible in the New Testament? That'd be the Psalms. That's a really great place to say happy trails, don't you think? I think so. We'll see y'all next time. Thanks again for listening to these weekly conversations between myself and Dr. Dan Owen. Conversations with Dan is an outreach and teaching ministry of the Broadway Church of Christ in Paducah, Kentucky. You can find us online through most of the major social media sites or through our website, broadwaycoc.com.